The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball podcast and round two of the NBA playoffs is upon us tomorrow. And this is the first day of the NBA playoffs where there are no games going on. All the round one series are pretty much wrapped up with the exception of the Clippers Jazz series, which is going to a game seven and which will be played tomorrow afternoon. So uh, on the line, joining me, riding high off the Celtics series win over the Bulls. Uh, We have Akshay from Pasadena, California. What's up, Akshay? How's it going? What's up, Ishan? Uh, it's going pretty well, dog. Um, well, you are right, my friend. <laughs> I am riding pretty high after that victory, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think that was a very, uh, what's the word? A very. Who's going on? Rondo uh, being hurt. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, um, sister passing away right before the start of the series. There was a lot of different things going on, a lot of different variables, you know, that sort of. Uh, went there here and there but uh i'm just glad the series is, is over with yeah i mean a lot of uh emotional stuff going on especially on the boston side with isaiah thomas so it was kind of a herky-jerky type series and uh, a lot of different variables like you mentioned but boston uh, won four in a row after falling down two nothing to chicago and rondo missed the last four games of that series so we'll go ahead and start in the eastern conference where all the matchups are set up and we'll go ahead and start with your Celtics. Right. They'll face off against the Wizards starting tomorrow. And uh, what are your initial thoughts on this series, and uh, who do you think wins overall? I think the Celtics take it. I'm saying they take it in, in six in six games. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a hard-fought series. Washington is a good team. You, know, you have Beal, you have Wall. Um, they got a couple of bigs. They got Gortat. I think they have somebody else. I, I forget, but um, they to be hard fought series. Uh, I know um, during the regular season, I believe they split uh, the four games they played two two. So, uh, but I, I think Boston's coming off off a high right now. You know, I mean, they just won four straight against Chicago. You know, I mean, um, Isaiah Thomas's sister unfortunately passed away. You know, and this happened right before the start of the series, which is very unfortunate. You know, and I think it's, it's sort of like. Obviously, yeah, to anybody, you know, that sort of happens, that's going to really affect your mindset. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how he, he um, even played in, in game one or game two after that happened. It's quite incredible, you know, uh, that he did that. But, um, I mean, but of course, he wasn't himself. I mean, you, you can totally see it. He wasn't himself, which, um, you know, I don't blame him, you know, especially after a family member does pass away. You know, so... I think they're they're coming off a very emotional high. I think they're going to sort of ride into that, you know. But uh, the Washington's also coming off um, a high off themselves as well, you know. They just went, uh, it, they just beat the Hawks, so um, they're also riding pretty high. So, but uh, I still believe Celtics will win it in six. I think Brad Stevens is going to play up. He's um, going to make some changes again, like he did uh, in the. Um, in the series with the Bulls, where he took out Amir Johnson and put in Gerald Green, which was uh, one of the difference makers. I think here, in this case, he might have to go big or he might run small. So we've got to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, for Boston against Chicago, I mean, falling down 2 nothing. Uh, I know everyone was making a big deal about Rondo being out, but I, I think he, he was a big deal for them in Game 2. I don't think he was the reason they won Game 1. I mean... In game one and game two, I mean, the main, I think, I, I think kind of advantage that Chicago was having was on the glass and offensively, offensive rebounds, second chance points. And they also had that kind of one guy where, one unknown type of guy that came off the bench and had a big game for them, like Paul Zipser and Bobby Portis in the first couple of games. And then you look game three to game six, Boston started making their three-pointers and then they were... They they were kind of even on the glass, or 
in some in some cases actually leading the rebounding advantage in some of those games. So I think that was the big major difference. And then Rondo, especially, I mean, from an offensive flow standpoint and defensively, Chicago didn't look the same. But I don't think it was all Rondo. That was the main reason that Boston won four in a row. But with that being said, uh, you, got, you, you kind of got inconsistent play throughout the entire series from Chicago. I mean, Dwayne Wade had two good games, but the clinching game yesterday for Boston, he only scored two points from one from one and ten from the field. So, and then Butler was pretty inconsistent. I mean, he he, ne- I don't think he had two straight good games all series. So. Just a lot of inconsistency, like we were saying from Chicago. That they, they've pretty much been that, that that team that the entire season. I mean, they'll they'll look like one of the best teams in the league one night, and then the next night they'll look like one of the bottom tier teams. So, uh, and then for Washington on the other side, it looks like going into that series, I thought they were much better than Atlanta, but Atlanta just kept fighting back. They could never really put them away in any of the games, and I think that goes to uh, Washington's kind of weak uh how how weak they are in defense uh, they can't really play defense and teams always tend to hang around in games and always give them a scare but uh with that being said i'm gonna go washington in six i think they're they're the better team than boston i think they have uh the guards who can kind of uh shut isaiah down and kind of give him trouble with their length and then they have a lot of versatility just like uh, Boston does I think they can go with small lineups they can go with big lineups they can go with uh, fast lineups with Wall Beal so they have a lot of uh, options there and then Scott Brooks I think he likes to run a fast-paced offense offensively so I think that's what they're going to do mostly and I think John Wall I mean he's really become one of a top 10 bona fide superstars in this league. I mean, he's moving even higher than that. He's moving towards the top five. He's playing absolutely, absolutely fantastic, controlling the tempo of the game. And, I mean, I think he's just as athletic as Russell Westbrook in some cases. And he's kind of more controlled in, with that athleticism. I think Westbrook is really dynamic, uh, super athletic, but sometimes he goes out of control and makes take stupid shots and stuff. So, but with John Wall, you kind of get the athleticism, but uh, a lot of control as well. So, what do you see? Who do you see for Washington? Uh, who do you think they initially put on Isaiah to kind of uh, slow him down and make uh, give him trouble? You know, I think uh, that's a good question. I think they're going to put. Uh, I think they'll probably put uh, maybe John Wall on him, but uh, but to be honest, on. <laughs> There's nobody that can stop Isaiah. I mean, you, you see, when he gets going, there is, um, yeah, you seen the series, dude, with the Bulls. You had, what, uh, Rondo couldn't stop him. You had um, Wade couldn't stop him. You had, uh, uh, their books couldn't stop him. So it doesn't matter how size you are. The guy is, what, five foot nine. He's just so shifty, and he can go back and forth, and you can just make all these little small sort of trick plays. I think it's, it's he's very hard to defend. You know, but I think they go with uh, with John Wall. You know, but um, going back to your comment on John Wall, you know, and saying that he's uh, he's playing really well, and yeah, w- which he is, no doubt. But the thing is, it's, um, it's like you said, uh, um, like you said, uh, the Wizards—they're not known for their defense. You know, and uh, I think uh, they try to outscore you to win. But uh, the Celtics are a defensive team, and when you have like the likes of. Uh, um, Avery Bradley, who completely shut down uh, um, uh, a Butler in the Chicago series, you know, I mean, um, limiting limiting him to um, his points and shooting awkward shots. I think I think Celtics will put uh, Bradley on Wall, you know, and then uh, I think that's going to affect Wall, you know, and I think um, with Crowder, who's our other big. Um, the defensive uh, stopper. He's going to be put on. Uh, I forget who the other guys who are on the Washington Wizards team. So I still think it's a it's going to be a top spot series. You know. Yeah, I mean with uh, Boston, I mean that's kind of the thing with Isaiah. He's kind of a defensive liability, and with a team like Washington, uh, who who do you put him on? I mean, who do you kind of hide him on? 
against Washington. I, I don't think he can really guard anybody on, on that team with when you have Ball, Wall, Beal, and uh, Otto Porter. As, yeah, but but as far as like sort of guard uh, playing, I mean, yes, he is, uh, but the size is, is sort of a defensive liability. But but the way Boston plays defense, they don't play a strict man. They play like a man zone, and they're always switching around depending on the matchups in the game. So you'll see like um, there's points where, yes, it's going to be, uh, you might have like, um, um, you might have like Gortat uh, being guarded by Isaiah Thomas in, in a sort of switch, which is definitely um, not the ideal matchup, you know. But uh, I think the way Boston plays, it's it, it just like, it's not like a strict debate. I'm going to guard this guy, you guard that guy, a whole game. They, they sort of switch around. And I think that's what um, their plan is going to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this seems like a little uh, budding type rivalry. I think they had a lot, little uh, little tension going on with, between them in the regular season. So I think it should be a very fun series. But I, with Boston, I think it seems like, and I kind of saw some of this in the Chicago series. Uh, if they're not really making their threes, and you kind of uh, limit Isaiah, then they become very beatable. So I don't I don't know how how Washington can do that, but I think Washington. Uh, is very athletic, and I think they're going to speed up the tempo. I think Boston's going to try to keep it a little slower type of pace, but I think Washington likes to run out, move the ball, and then Bradley Beal is just absolutely uh, becoming a better, uh, budding superstar. He's he, he's one of the best, better three-point shooters in the league, and then more importantly for them, he's he stayed relatively healthy this season, so uh, that should be a big lift for them. And then they have a lot of versatility up front with. Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, Mar- Marcus, Mo- Markeith Morris, excuse me, and then Gortat uh, is kind of the the banger in, in the in the paint for them. He can kind of go up against the Celtics big guys and kind of uh, provide a, a rebounding advantage, kind of like uh, Robin Lopez did for a few games in the Chicago Boston series. So, and they they didn't really have any answer for Robin Lopez in some of those games. I mean, he was kind of totally dominating them with offensive rebounds and. So I don't know. Maybe Gortat can do some of the same stuff. But uh, with all that being said, I th- I just think Washington is more talented. And for selfish reasons, I want to see Washington versus Cleveland more than I want to see Boston versus Cleveland just because I think it will be a better series. And so with all that being said, I'm going to go Washington in six. And you have Boston pulling out in six, correct? I got Boston in six. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, with that, we'll move into... The next series, which I think will be just as exciting as the Boston and Washington series, uh, you got the rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last season. Toronto versus Cleveland, that will be starting Monday at Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this one? You know, this one is uh, it's kind of strange, dude. It's just like I would definitely think about initially, my initial thought, well, I would have to say he Cleveland is going to win this probably in six. But then the way I think about it, you know, I think about it a little closer, Toronto is not the same team they were last year. You know, they made some, some pickups um, at the trade deadline, you know. They picked up P.J. Tucker. They picked up uh, um, uh, Ibaka, you know. So that sort of gives them a different dimension. And the way Cleveland's playing right now, they're not the playing their best either. You know, so I think, I definitely think Toronto has a chance here to definitely take the series. I mean, it's going to matter on a lot of different things. You know, they have to... Uh, uh, I know P.J. Tucker, he's a very good defender, and um, I think he was once um, referred as the, the, the LeBron stopper, I think. Um, I heard that somewhere sometime back, so... Is there really a LeBron stopper? Is, or is that is that just a figment of our imaginations? No, no, yeah, that's a figment of our imagination. No one can stop the guy, you know, but what you can do is, is you can limit him. You know, you can limit him, you can make him take bad shots. You know, that's the thing. He's going to score. You know, he's going to score his, um, he's going to score his what? His 25, 30 points a game. You know, but if you limit him, if you make him work for it, and, that, and don't make it easy, it's going to make it harder on, the, on his teammates as well. You know, and, and I think that's the way you have to go at it. You know, if you focus on um, sort of disrupting his rhythm, you know, and I think that's the way uh, that can sort of like uh, change the flow. 
of the Cleveland offense. You know, so I think that's uh, that's the way uh, Toronto has to go at it. You know, and um, I mean, um, my gut says uh, Cleveland six, but um, you know, but uh, I just have a feeling. I have a feeling that Toronto has a chance to um, to steal the series. You know, but they have to play all well. But they have to play as a team. You know, they have to play well. They have to make their shots. Can't uh, they have to uh, control their turnovers? That's number one. You know, but uh, I think they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, like you said, is definitely a more physical team this season with the additions of P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka, and it gives them a better uh, more f- defensive identity going into this series against Cleveland, which they're going to need every bit of that defensive identity to stop one of the top better offenses in the entire league with Cleveland. And then Cleveland has a lot of different looks, I mean, and they kind of showed that in the Indiana series offensively. When they made that uh, 26-point comeback in Game 3, basically the for the majority of the second half when they made that comeback, the, the lineup was something like LeBron, J.R. Smith, I think uh, Tristan Thompson, Channing Frye, and Kyle Korver, something like that. So it wasn't even <laughs> their second and third best guys weren't even playing for the, the majority of that portion when they made that comeback. So it was just basically LeBron and put four shooters around him. And they made that comeback and ended up winning that game three. And that was, I think, the lowest margin of victory for a sweep, I think, in the last, like, 42 years or something. So Cleveland, uh, it's kind of uh, interesting. They're never really out of a game. They're never really secure secure to win either, no matter how big their lead is. So they kind of get up leads. They kind of come back from leads. So it's kind of it'll be interesting to see in the, the next series how if they can maybe turn on a defensive switch and kind of uh, just ratchet up that defense against Toronto. And then for Toronto, it always seems like in the playoffs, uh, either Lowry or DeRozan, I I don't know if I've ever really seen very many playoff games where both of them are just clicking. It's either one of them is going, both of them are struggling. I I have really yet to see in many games where both of them are clicking. And as their stars, I think they need both of them to play well in the same games to have a, a shot to beat this uh, Cleveland juggernaut in the Eastern Conference. So uh, with that being said, I'm, I'm definitely taking Cleveland. Uh, if Cleveland was better defensively, I probably would have said five games, but I'm going to go Cleveland in six. I think uh, Toronto is much better than they were last season from a defensive standpoint, and I think that will kind of prove it to be the difference and kind of uh, push Cleveland a little more, even though they kind of, they took Cleveland to six last year, but uh, that was kind of more Cleveland just being lackadaisical, lethargic. And I think that this season Toronto will really give them a little bit more of a push, but uh, it's that guy, LeBron James. I mean, uh, he's, the, <laughs> he's kind of the guy that's been uh, the difference maker in the East. He's kind of blocked, uh, Indiana, some some of these other teams from Chicago from reaching the finals, and then uh, well, let's uh, the team they beat Indiana. Let's kind of get into them. Uh, Larry Bird stepped down yesterday, and Paul George seems like <laughs> wants to throw every teammate under the bus for kind of their play in the series. Uh, I should be taking this game winning shot. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be in the game for this. I mean, what did you make of Paul George and his uh, diva-like attitude <laughs> in the first-round well, series against uh, Cleveland? I mean, Paul George, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, first things first, you know, Paul George, he's a great player. You know, he, he's a great player. He's like, uh, he could be a franchise cornerstone on, on any team. But, um, you know, the guy is, uh, sometimes he doesn't come through in the end. You know, um, you know he he wants to have the ball in the fourth quarter, and that uh, he wants to take the last shot. But you know, I mean, granted he should, but uh, uh, from what I recall, I don't think he let's say let's say um, I don't think he's very consistent on making that last shot. You know, I mean, uh, I've seen games where he's totally missed the last shot. He's always um, he had the chance to win the game, but he he didn't do it. With the ball in his hand. Yeah, I think he's like something like O for his last 17 and go ahead or exactly. game time shots in the last like 10 seconds, something like that. But yeah. 
so that's what I'm saying. And it's like it's like any player, dude. It's like any player that's going to do that. They if they're struggling mentally or physically, they just start uh, they just start blaming their their teammates, saying, "Oh, you were in this position, you weren't there, you weren't doing this." It's uh, I think that that's that's just a way of sort of him trying to hide his um, his frustrations about himself. You know, and I I, I think that's what. I think that's what it is. I mean, going back to what Bird stepping down, I think he didn't, uh, I think Bird sort of knows that the team has to be rebuilt in a way, and I, I don't think he he wants the time or, or the effort to spend what, what he did before. Um, because, I mean, Bird's a good GM, don't get me wrong, you know. I mean, he picked up what, uh, he picked up Danny Granger uh, in the draft, he picked up uh, Paul George in the draft, Lance Stevenson, so, so he's a good. Um, uh, the only, the only really uh, black hole on his resume, for, as far as a GM executive, is trading Kawhi Leonard for Paul, uh, George Hill. Excuse yes, me. Correct. That's really the only correct. thing, in my opinion. But other than that, I mean, correct. he's he's run into he's run he's run into Jordan as as a coach of Indiana, and now as a GM, correct. he's basically run into LeBron in Miami and LeBron in Cleveland. They've knocked him out four times. LeBron's teams. So I don't know if you can really. Uh, blame him much, but I, he just—he's sick of this diva attitude from his uh, superstar and cornerstone of the franchise, Paul George, and he doesn't want to be part of the the management or executive team that ends up trading Paul George because he's most likely going to walk at the end of the season, anyways. Next season. Well, I mean, that's true too. But then uh, a lot of people don't realize that Bird, even before uh, the start of the season, in the early part of the season, Bird had already. Um, sent out like sort of feelers, and he's been telling people even before any of this happened, long, long before last year. Um, um, he, he's been saying that this was the last season. He's going to send a, he's going to send a, uh, he's going to sort of pass the reins on to uh, I, I forget the other guy, Paul something. Uh, he's going to pass the reins over. So I don't really see it as much of uh, a big surprise because he was sort of sending out these feelers back, uh, back in what September, October of last year. When the season started, I think with the whole, um, I think with the whole um, George thing escalating, where he had become this sort of diva now, and he's sort of like, blaming other people and not really looking at himself. I think that sort of, uh, sort of um, sealed the deal, you know, for Bird to say, okay, you know what, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sort of done with this. I got to move on, you know. So, uh, but but uh, but 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 if you look at like what he did, you know, I mean. Uh, it's like you said, I mean, uh, 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 the only negative thing that I can see uh, that you can think of was him trading away, what, uh, Kawhi Leonard for George Hill, which was one of, I mean, at that time when you're a rookie and you don't really know, I mean, um, I don't remember how uh, Kawhi Leonard was uh, in college, but, I mean, at that time, it's really hard to say. Um, it's really hard to say how good of a player you, you will be in the next, what, five, six years especially when you're a rookie, you sort of have to give time. And I think at that time, maybe um, the Pacers, maybe George, um, I'm not George, maybe Bird didn't want to um, to spend the time to develop him and wanted more of a, a solid player. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But then um, I think Bird, I mean, he labeled himself, uh, I mean, for what he did to Indiana, especially that's a, a small market team. You know, and especially a lot of these... Uh, in my opinion, a lot of these GMs, like, uh, um, um, like for example, the the GM of the Cavs, the GM uh, when Mitch Kupchak was the GM of the Lakers, and then um, the GMs of these of these big uh, 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 a team um, of these big uh, of these big city teams. That's what I want to say. You know, it's like uh, it's easy to recruit more from a bigger city because players want to go there, but it, I think it's much harder for a GM who works in a small market to develop talent. I mean, I mean, not develop talent, but to get uh, players to come over, that's why they have to focus more on the draft. You know, so uh, it, in my mind, you know, I think that's more of an accomplishment than it is for um, a GM to be in a big city and then every summer they're going to get some sort of player wanting to have some sort of interest on in coming over. All right, yeah, definitely. And 
Getting back to this uh, Paul George thing uh, about uh, oh, I should have taken the last shot, calling out Miles Turner, calling out Lance Stevenson. Uh, where the hell do you think this came from? Like, oh, I have to be the one taking the shot. I'm the superstar. I mean, where the fuck did this come from? Is it from the Kobe Jordan stuff? I mean, because Le- LeBron doesn't give a shit who takes the last shot as long as they're, the team is getting a good shot. So where do you, where do you think this kind of comes from? Where most superstars feel that I I have to take the last shot, I have to do this, I have to do that. Well, I think it's coming from here. I think it's coming from uh, it's sort of coming from the outside, you know, outside of the NBA or from other teams in uh, within the NBA, other general managers, you know, other players, because a lot of people view Paul George as a franchise cornerstone, you know, and I think he wants. I think he's getting sort of sort of swayed by this idea. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, he is uh, a definitely a good player. He definitely can be a franchise cornerstone, you know. Um, he has that ability, but in my mind, you know, unless you can start making these last-second shots in, in the fourth quarter and taking control of the game by yourself, then I really can't label you a franchise player. You know, and I, I think that's where George is sort of... Uh, I think he's sort of struggling with that. I think he has to, he's at that level, you know. I mean, he's at, he's, he's right there where he can just be labeled as a franchise cornerstone. And I think it's more so, it's also more so that he, I think he's sort of blaming uh, um, his teammates. And I, it's more so by, by it's like I said, it's going to be out people outside of the, uh, of the NBA, ex-players or so on. Uh, they're sort of, um, getting this in his head, so I think they're trying to, like, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but, you know, I mean, the team that's up to mind is, uh, is the Lakers and Maddie Johnson, you know, and with his comments, I think he's sort of, uh, I think he's sort of uh, putting the stuff in his head because he wants him to leave uh, Indiana and come join the Lakers. You know, I, I think that's sort of uh, getting to this guy's head. You know, that, um, that, I'm, that I'm the cornerstone, I'm the guy taking the last shot, I should be the one doing it, you know, instead of playing, like, more team ball. It always comes back to the motherfucking Lakers, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, with that being said, we... You know, that, that's, that's the way I see it, all the signs coming in there, you know? All right, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how uh, we got a little sidetracked, but uh, going back to uh, Cleveland's opponent, Toronto, uh, they... They kind of had a little trouble against uh, Milwaukee's uh, youth and athleticism and their length. Uh, What do you think uh, they figured out uh, finally after Game 3 when they kind of just, uh, that was kind of the the turning point of the series and they won three in a row? Well, I I think they sort of used their experience, you know, uh, to win that game. Their experience because uh, DeRozan, uh, um, DeRozan's experience, you have Baca's has been there in playoffs, and all that sort of helped them. You know, initially, uh, Milwaukee, uh, they're, they're a great team, you know. They're a young team, and they're a pretty big team in the sense that their players are pretty much, uh, they have long arms, they're very athletic, you know. They can disrupt you, they can make you not, um, they can make you not feel like you're in your game at certain times, you know. But I think in the end, it just came down to experience. You know, because I think that's a, I think, I mean, going back to uh, the Celtics um, Bull series, I think that's one of the things that, that hurt the Celtics in game one and two. You know, it's also, yeah, it was also Isaiah Thomas not being himself with, with passing the sister. But I, but if you look at that, you know, um, you look at the Bulls, um, Wade has, like, all the experience in the world uh, playing in the playoffs and the finals. You look at Rondo. Rondo's playoff. Um, Rondo has played in the in the finals. I mean, the playoffs in the finals. You know, a couple times. And then you had uh, Butler, who was uh, who's becoming more of um, a stronger player. You know, uh, but then uh, if you look at the Celtics. Besides Horford, I don't really see anybody else who's had any. Um, uh, I mean, he's had the playoff experience. Horford. He's never been into the finals, but. Uh, as far as that, I don't really see anybody else. So I think that also played is a fact into it as well. But I think, yeah, with the uh, Toronto series, that's exactly what I think. In the end, that's what sort of uh, pushed them over the um, uh, pushed them over the hill is because uh, or over the bump 
um, is because uh, that playoff experience sort of uh, helped them do that, you know. Uh, this Milwaukee team, uh, did they kind of remind you of kind of that Thunder team in 09-10, something like that? I mean, oh, yeah. they, they're oh, yeah. not going to beat you in a series, but they're really going to give you a scare? No, oh, definitely. You know, they definitely remind me of that Thunder team, you know, but I think the difference between that them and the Thunder team is they have uh, they have a coach that's, uh, I think, uh, um, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Jason Kidd. Uh, their coach was, was a lot, I think, in, because he's he's an NBA veteran. Um, he's been in the playoffs, you know, and I think that uh, when the OKC team um, was built back in 08-09, I think Scott Brooks was just like one of an up-and-coming coach. And I, I think that sort of um, that sort of prevented them from also um, going much higher, you know. Because but but now if you look at Jason Kidd, he's been there, he's been in these experiences, he knows what to do, he knows how to keep the team calm, you know. So I think that that's one of the major differences there. Okay, definitely. And then uh, getting back to the series, I guess. Uh, so I have Cleveland in six. You uh, are you are you going to go all the way and pick Toronto? What do you think? I have Cleveland in six, but uh, but like I said, uh, but, but like I was saying is uh, I have Cleveland in six, but um, uh, but I I I definitely think Toronto can't take the series if a lot of things happen. But I but I still believe Cleveland will beat them in six. Okay, we'll agree on that one. Cleveland in six, and then uh, we think uh, the. Eastern Conference Finals, uh, Akshay thinks Cleveland versus Boston. I think Cleveland versus Washington. We'll definitely see how that one folds, uh, unfolds. Excuse me, right. And then we'll move into the Western Conference. Uh, one matchup's already set. Uh, it's going to be a Texas shootout. Houston versus San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio has home court. And that series will start on Monday. Uh, what do you think? Of, what are your thoughts about this series? You know, this is going to be a very good series. You know, it's going to be a, a very tough series. You know, especially is Houston is a very good offensive team, but unfortunately, they don't play defense. Uh, San Antonio can score and they can play defense, so I definitely have to go with with the Spurs in this. I say Spurs in, in six games in this one, maybe seven, but I, I, but I'm going with six because uh, I, I think Houston is a great team. Don't get me wrong. You have Harden. Um, you have Harden, you have uh, um, Lou Williams, you have uh, um, Eric Gordon. Um, you have all these players on there. And, and Houston can definitely score, you know, but it's their defense what is what worries me. Uh, they can score 120 games, but um, they can score, uh, per se, 120 points a game, but they also give up 120. So it's sort of, so it's sort of uh, saying it's sort of like... Uh, you're sort of uh, playing with sort of, I guess what you would say, a catch-22 there, you know, because you're sort of uh, you're sort of saying, I can do this, but I give up this. And I think with the Spurs, we'll take advantage of that, you know, because the Spurs are a very good defensive team. You know, they, they, can, um, they can shut you down defensively, but they can score too. So I definitely have to go with the Spurs in this. I say in six games. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs uh, coming off a, a series, a uh, tough series versus Memphis where it probably got pushed further than it should have. And then that's just Memphis's style. They, I mean, they wear you down physically. And the Spurs came out on top on that one, and Kawhi Leonard was absolutely amazing in that series. And then on the other side, Houston uh, beats uh, the Thunder in five games. But uh, some of those games came down to the end, and Harden uh, didn't really look too too good the last couple games against uh oklahoma city and it just uh kind of proved that uh houston's team overall is much better than uh oklahoma city's team but i think that has that's kind of uh a part and it has to do with a little bit with harden because i think he makes his teammates better uh as opposed to russell westbrook even though he has the rebounds and assist i don't think he necessarily makes anyone on on the thunder better than they are so in my opinion at least you know yeah you know no, you, you're right you know but the thing is is i look at it this way as well is uh if you look at houston james harden has um 
capable players on his team. But if you look at uh, Westbrook, uh, I don't think he, he doesn't have much there. You know, I mean, Victor Oladipo is there, but the guys, he's still very young, and he's still very, at times, very inconsistent at his play. I think he needs at least another a couple of years before we see something before we see something there from him. Um, and then besides him, you had, uh, I don't think there was anybody else. Well, they got Steven Adams. I think, I think if you go across the line, I think it's pretty even supporting cast wise. Yeah. Between Houston and Oklahoma city, you can maybe even argue that Oklahoma city has better supporting players, but I just don't think Westbrook gets the most out of them that he should. Well, it could be, it could be, you know, because the way Westbrook plays, but I don't know. I just think that uh, I think that they don't. In my opinion, I don't think OKC has enough scorers. You know, because I think Westbrook is the main scorer. I think they just need that sec, that second scorer, that second guy that can score, that can be consistent and get you fifteen, twenty points a night. You know, and I think that will raise OKC back to elite level. I think I mean, that's that's Oladipo uh, right now. I think he needs a, a bigger role, and I think Westbrook needs to give him that bigger role. It could be. It could be. The, it could be that big role. You know. I mean. I know Adams is is a good player, but I think Adams uh, Adams sort of needs. Um, he needs. I mean, besides Adams, I mean, besides um, the bigs on that team. Besides Adams, there's what Cantor, who is a good offensive scorer, but when it comes to defense, he's very uh, he's very reliable on defense. He's he's not a good defensive player. You know and. Uh, which goes to say, I mean, this could be a future podcast with the, with the NBA free agents coming up. You know, I mean, uh, who knows what will happen, especially with, with the Thunder. They can potentially, with the whole saga going on in, uh, in the, with the Clippers, you know, going on, you never know. They, you, you, you can definitely see Blake Griffin coming back to OKC. And I think like, if you put him on that, on that team next to uh, Westbrook, they can be a very scary team. Yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll see, I, I guess. But uh, getting back to the series, uh, I'm going to go San Antonio in seven. I think uh, Houston's kind of goal is just to outscore you, just rely on their offense, the three-point shooting. And they also dominate the paint as well. Uh, they get a lot. Basically, their points just come from threes or somewhere uh, layups in the paint from Harden, Capella, Nene, st- those types of guys. And they ha- absolutely don't focus on defense at all. And then on San Antonio's side, I mean, Kawhi, it seems like, has to take over a lot of games. And then uh, defensively now for them, their bigs are going to be chasing uh, Houston's guys at the top of the paint because uh, a lot of their big guys like to, with the exception of Capella and Nene, like to spread the floor and shoot threes. So it'll be interesting to see. And then I think San Antonio really needs uh, Tony Parker to have the game he had in Game 6. And Danny Green, I think, needs to start... uh, producing for them offensively more like he did back in 2013. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be a a Texas shootout, in my opinion, a great series. And I think San Antonio will ultimately prevail in seven games with the home court advantage. And you think San Antonio in six? I can see them in six, but it it all depends. It all depends how 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 it comes out to. But I can see them. I can definitely see them winning in six. Okay, definitely. Uh, we'll agree on that one, and we'll move into possibly the next series. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be, but uh, I think uh, we're both probably going Golden State um, in this next series. <laughs> They're get- yeah. Well, first of all, first of all, let's let's talk about the uh, the the Jazz Clippers series, and then the whole uh, a Clippers uh, off season checklist. And so, uh, wh- what have you made so far about the? Clippers Jazz series throughout the first six six games. Uh, it's pretty a very interesting series. You know, you've seen a lot of uh, different players step up. You know, we've seen a, a, a lot of issues that uh, the Clippers have. You know, with their lack of bench scoring, and I, I think it's sort of um, it's, it's, it's potentially going to be an issue for them. And I, I think we're, we're going to see some changes in the off season. But with the with the Jazz, they they're an up and coming team. You know, they're they're very they're a youth team. They're young, uh, they're athletic. You know, they can they can definitely score. You know, um, but it, it, we have to see what happens because now 
I think what um, Rudy Gerbert is, is hurt, I think he sprained his ankle or something in the last game. So we don't know his status for Game 7. Um, so, and then with the Clippers now, if they have home court, I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, they're going to win the series. You know, and but when it goes and with the Clippers, like as you're talking about, off season and whatnot, um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, even uh, uh, Chris Paul is up for uh, what uh, um, a new contract. I mean, signs point to him um, definitely re-upping with the Clippers because, because he gets the most money from them. But the thing is, if he decides to move on, that'll be interesting. You know, and one of the teams that I I could definitely see him. Moving on to that, he'll be a perfect fit is the Spurs, you know, and uh, because um, Tony Parker is old, he's like he's what thirty five years old right now. He's on his last legs, and then besides Parker, the Spurs have what Patty Mills as the backup, and he's also a free agent um, at the end of this year. So um, I, if Paul decides to move on, the Spurs would be a great fit. I mean, you you already have Kawhi Leonard. You have Marcus Aldridge, you know, and you have Paul Gasol who, who can come off the bench or he can start for you. So that'll be, if he does move on, that will be, I think, an ideal fit for him. But as far as the series is going, it's a very interesting series, you know. I mean, with uh, with Blake Griffin being um, being out of the um, out for the season with the injury, it, it sort of changed the series around. It gave an opening for, for Utah, you know. Uh, uh, to come in and steal this. But as we saw last night in Game 6, Utah should have won that game, but I think they sort of uh, blew it at the end. And I think it comes down to playoff experience. Yeah, because they're, not, it's just a, they're just a very up-and-coming team. They don't have much experience um, when it comes to in the playoffs. And when you look at the Clippers, you have what? Uh, Chris Paul uh, has been in the playoffs multiple times. Johnny Jordan has been there. Um, Jamal Crawford, you can name all these players. So I think that's what that's what sort of gave the Clippers the edge. Yeah, for the Jazz, experience-wise, it's pretty much just George Hill, Joe Johnson, and uh, Boris Diaw, I think. But uh, yeah, this at uh, this series, I mean, uh, they played twenty-four quarters, something like that. I think, and probably like twenty-two of those, Jazz the Jazz have completely controlled like the tempo, the pace of the series, and then uh, the Clippers uh, ultimately. Uh, Wanted to run a fast pace, but uh, the Jazz, if you give them credit, they've completely controlled that that aspect of the series as far as the tempo and the pace is going. The Clippers have never really been able to get a fast pace going, their fast-paced offense. And then uh, they've really struggled I, since Blake Griffin has uh, gone out just to generate some sort of offense. And then Chris Paul is really carrying a, a huge burden on his shoulder since uh, Griffin has been injured because... Uh, Griffin, uh, for them, as, as much as uh, people want to knock on Griffin lately, I think it's become a very popular to do that. I mean, I don't think people truly realize how versatile a player, a versatile of a player he's become in the past couple of years. He's become a much better jump shooter. He's uh, an excellent ball handler. He gets out on in transition and kind of uh, gets in the post and speeds up the Clippers' offense. I think he's a great playmaker. And... Uh, I don't know how very many power forwards uh, who are kind of as versatile offensively as Blake Griffin. Uh, I mean, what's the list when it comes to that? What do you think? I mean, besides power forwards, on Blake Griffin, I don't. I mean, I don't think there is. Maybe I can put Lamarcus Aldridge in that level, you know. But uh, besides that, I, I don't really see too many out there. Well, the only one I can think of that's kind of as versatile offensively is what Draymond Green, and I don't, I don't know if I can think of any more as far as doing everything like ball handling, playmaking. Well, he is, you know, but the only thing I knock on him is <laughs> Draymond Green is just a damn a knucklehead. He can, uh, he can what do you call? He can, yeah, he he definitely has the talent to do it, but he also has the talent the talent to uh, to line up technical fouls, you know, and then sort of sway the game for you and to, uh, to the opposite team. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of hesitant to put a Draymond game at that level just yet until, I'm, I mean, skill-wise, he's there, no doubt, you know. I mean, the way he game plays, but when it comes to mentally, I don't think he's 
fully there. I mean, uh, I think that also maybe it goes to say with Blake Griffin, sometimes he can be a knucklehead as well. You know, but um, when it comes to like, but you're right, when it comes to those kind of power forwards, there's probably only um, a handful um, of those guys in the league. Yeah, I think, and then another thing with Blake Griffin, a sentiment, which this sentiment I do agree with that most people have is the injury stuff. I mean, it seems like he's always been, had uh, some sort of a bad injury for them at a very uh, crucial juncture in their season, especially the last couple seasons in the in the playoffs. And then it seems like that's really the, like the only thing I can see where you wouldn't re-sign him. The injury thing is real and it's it's a big thing and it's a, it's probably something you don't want to dish out twenty, twenty-eight, thirty million dollars to a a power forward who's very injury prone, and that's really the only like kind of mitigating factor that I that I can see that would stop the Clippers from uh, re-signing Blake Griffin and bringing back their core. But uh, with that being said, I think the Clippers. I mean, uh, I think they're going to win Game Seven too. Just I think Chris Paul is gonna, has it in him to have a big game, and then. I think they get just enough kind of from the role players, the Reddicks, the Jamal Crawfords. And then another thing to kind of uh, realize is Austin Rivers returned in game five, and he looked uh, excellent yesterday uh, shooting the three ball and uh, defensively as well guarding Gordon Hayward. So I think that'll kind of continue for them. And I think their defense looks better the last few games. So they've kind of uh, held Utah down to to low scoring totals, but they almost completely blew the game last night. They had a fourteen point lead, I think, with three and a half minutes, and they just started making stupid turnovers. And then Utah got back in it and had a chance to tie it in the last ten seconds, but ultimately they ended up missing a, a Joe Johnson three, and then the Clippers sealed it with two free throws on the other end. So with that being said, uh, we'll both agree on Clippers winning Game Seven and moving on. And but moving on to the next series, uh, it'll be Golden State versus either one of these teams, whoever prevails tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to take Golden State in five, no matter who they're playing. If the Clippers had Blake Griffin and they're they're fully healthy, I think maybe they could have pushed them till six or seven. But I just don't see it yeah. with the because the Clippers don't really have an advantage anywhere going into this series against Golden State. Uh, they kind of had an advantage if Blake Griffin was healthy, kind of at the power forward center spot they could kind of uh use their their size and their their length against uh golden state's small smaller lineups but they can't really do that now with blake griffin out and he's a big part of their uh their paint scoring and as you as as you've seen since he's gone out utah's completely dominated the paint so uh your thoughts do you agree with golden state i'm, I'm pretty sure you do but what do you think in five games four games I say Golden State in five. That's what I'm thinking, you know? I mean, I don't think four. I don't think they can sweep them because I think the Clippers will, they can manage to win one game, especially at home, you know, So especially with what's going on. And um, so I, I have to go, I have to, uh, uh, um, or to go as well with you as well, um, with Golden State in five. I don't see how the Clippers can beat them because especially Blake Griffin being out and, I don't think they. I don't think they have a chance to, uh, to beat them. But uh, they can definitely win. Um, they can definitely win one game. Okay. I'm going with uh, the Warriors in five. Okay, definitely. And then there's kind of been a lot of talk about uh, this Warrior team possibly going uh, 16 and 0 in the entire playoff runs. How how realistic of a possibility do you think that is? I don't think that's realistic. I mean, it, it's a possibility, and no doubt. But I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a. Um, I don't think it, it's realistic. Um, my actual thoughts is I, I, I don't think a Golden State wins it this year. I think they get knocked out, um, whether it's in the finals or whether it's in the in the, uh, in the Western um, Conference Finals. I think Golden State. They're. I mean, they're a good shooting team, no doubt. But I. I just think that. Uh, I think that when it comes down to the, at that point, let's say they play the Spurs, the Spurs can can definitely take that series. That I mean, there's a possibility there, and uh, I mean, um, that, uh, that's what I believe. I don't think Golden State is going to win it this year. I think uh, they played really well. The 
during the, the regular season. They're playing well right now. You know, but when it comes to playoffs, and I think it's uh, it's it's a whole other ball game. You know, and especially when you're playing against like, let's say they they play the Spurs. You're you're playing against a team that's been playoff tested, that's been there for um, the last what a, a decade or so. You know, in uh, in the playoffs, and you're playing against one of the best coaches in the in the game. Now, or I would say in NBA history. So um, I don't some, know. Some would argue he's the best coach in NBA history. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you're right. Some would argue he's the best coach. You know, I think he comes down to um, there's a, a lot of aspects to that. You know, because he's a small market, and uh, the players he had, as compared to like you look at, at Phil Jackson, you can say he's the best coach. But he had uh, MJ. You know, so who who knows? Uh, that's another topic. You know, but uh, I think um, Golden State they definitely have a good chance to win it this year. But I I still believe. They're not. They're gonna get knocked out, but um, but we'll see what happens. You know. <laughs> yeah, as far as Golden State, I think the the thing for them right now is kind of just figuring out their chemistry. They kind of have Durant back in the lineup, and then he missed a few games in this uh, Portland series. So I I think he's kind of like I I think I mentioned this before the series started. This is kind of this will kind of serve as like a tune up for Durant going into the later series. So we'll see how how they kind of uh, operate chemistry-wise in the, in the next couple series against the Clippers or the Jazz and then moving into the conference finals. So that'll be interesting to see how their chemistry goes because when Durant was out, uh, Curry kind of refound his groove and was kind of playing his best basketball probably since the beginning of the 2015-2016 season when they won 73 games. And then he kind of found that groove again and then now... Durant coming back, so it's kind of interesting to see how their offense will flow. Who will, who will have more control of the ball? Who will take more shots? So that that will be the interesting thing to see. But definitely, uh, I mean, I think Golden State is the prohibitor favorite in my opinion, probably to win it all. But uh, like I said, the Spurs could, like I I kind of agree with you. The Spurs could definitely beat them, and I think if you go up against LeBron, I mean, I think LeBron. And his at his peak level can pretty much uh, gives you a chance to beat any team. So exactly, we'll see. Uh, It'll be interesting. Dude. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. Uh, any other topics you want to touch on that we didn't really get into today? Uh, that's pretty much it, dog. You know, I, I can't think of anything else. I mean, we covered a lot. I mean, we covered conference semifinals. We covered a little bit of free agency. We covered. Um, talk about something about like uh, about coaches uh, I think that that's pretty much uh, I think that's pretty much it and I can't think of anything else okay definitely uh, with that being said uh, should be an exciting set of conference semifinal series it should be a lot of exciting games I hope everyone enjoys the games and Akshay uh, a pleasure having you on uh, hope to see you again in the future sometimes and everyone thank you for listening uh, I will see you probably in about two weeks for conference finals preview. Thank you and enjoy the games.